Hallelujah. Have you come to bless the Lord today? Lord, we thank you for your presence. Let's give him praise, church. Give him honor. Lord, we bless you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Put our hands together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Here I am. I've come to find you. Oh, Lord, here I am to see your grace. To bring to you an offering, I have to ask myself one thing. How can I do anything but praise? I praise. We praise you, Lord. And you, and you are God. You are Lord. And you are all I'm living for. And you are king of everything. I want my life to praise you. And you are God. And you are Lord. And you are all I'm living for. And you are king of everything. I want my life to praise you. I am. I've come to thank you, thank you, Lord. Here I am, my life you changed. Oh, because you gave your life for me, you crucified your son for me. How can I do anything but praise? I praise. 
Him. Hallelujah. Give Him praise. He is worthy of all praise. How we bless your name, Lord Jesus. We glorify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. Can't you just sense his presence in here today, church? Glorify the Lord, church. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, O oh Lord Jesus. Stir our passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Stir our passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Breathe on me,
with politics going on and sports going on, it's easy to talk about all of those things. There's nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong with families. Nothing wrong with being excited about our families or all that's going on in our lives. And I started thinking, oh God, if I was excited about you like I am about everything else. It's easy to talk about sports. Nothing easy to talk about all that stuff. What if one day, every time we met someone, we talked about Jesus instead of sports? Just one time. I'm going to try to do that. Because Jesus is worth getting excited about. He's worth our attention. He's worth our conversation. He's worth our mind. He is worth getting involved with. Lord, stir a passion in me, oh God. I'm not talking about anybody else. Lord, stir a passion in me that you're my topic for the day. Lord, that you're my topic for the day. Not my job, not, not my family, not my... Oh God, we just lift you. Stir a passion. Let's sing that chorus together again. Oh, stir a passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Stir a passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. situation, no matter what we're facing day to day, oh God, our first will be praised. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory the honor, Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You are great, you do miracles so great, there is no one else like you. No one else like you. 
bless you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. For you deserve the glory. And the honor, all the honor, Lord. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory. the Lord. You are great. You do miracles. How many of you know that today? There's no one else like you, Jesus. Lord, you are great. You do miracles. There is no Oh, lift your hands and sing it. Lord, you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. Thank you, Jesus. No one else like you. For you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. 
Lord, you are great. I need you to rest in this presence. Praise the Lord. I have a word for us today. I know that the Lord poured this into my spirit uh, last night. And I don't know. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know uh, what your situation is. I do know that, you know, our family, as many of you may have saw on Facebook, little Ava went to be with Jesus. So it's a very, very difficult uh, day for us yesterday. And uh, my wife is in Charleston. She is on her way back now. And so there's preparation that's going to be taking place over the next days that you would pray for us. Pray for uh, that mom and dad, Bridget and Jake. They really need the Lord to just be with them during this time. So please, if you could pray for that, I certainly would appreciate it. Today I want to deal with the topic entitled, What do you do when you just feel like giving up? What do you do when you just feel like giving up? I'm going to get you to stand one more time for the reading of the Word. I'm going to let you stretch it out. And then I'm going to take my time here and I'm going to try to preach to you for just a few minutes today. I want somebody to leave here blessed and touched by the power of the Holy Spirit today. As the time approached for Him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead who went into Samaritan village to get things ready for Him. But the people there did not welcome Him because He was heading for Jerusalem. But when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? 
Jesus turned and rebuked them. I've had some people I wanted to call fire down on before, but God said, don't do it. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you, Lord, wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. He said to another, would you follow me? But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my dead father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. To which Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. You may be seated. What do you do? Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said it this way. He said, great is the art of beginning, but even greater is the art of ending. We have often heard the words that it is not so much how you start this race as to how you finish. You can start off strong and finish weak. Or you can start off weak and finish strong. It is all about the ending that really makes the difference. Somewhere between beginning and ending in our lives. We have all come to a place that we just felt like giving up. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's discouragement, disillusionment, it's, it's disappointment that sets in. It was the moments that we just threw our hands in the air and we said, I feel like quitting. I want to quit on this marriage. I, I, I don't think it's going to work out anymore. I want to quit on this friendship. I, I, I want to quit on this job. I just, it's just not working out like I thought it would. I'm going to quit on this family. I'm going to quit on this ministry. I'm going to quit on projects. I'm going to quit on dreams that I have because I know that they're never going to happen. We've all come to those places whether or not we want to admit it today or not. We know and I know and you know that you've been there. I know I've been there to where you just wanted to quit. You just thought that it wasn't going to pan out. You just thought that it wasn't going to work out. So what in the world do you do when you get to the place that you feel like just giving up? It is in one word and that one word is the word persevere. The word persevere means to persist in any purpose or endeavor to continue striving for one's goals in spite of the difficulty that may come on their way. They simply stay on their course. We have to understand that perseverance, this will to go on will make the difference in our life between our successes or whether we are going to fail. You see, perseverance is more important than your talent. You can have talent and quit using your talent and your talent's no good. You can have ability and quit with your abilities. You, it, the, the, the perseverance is more important than aptitude, meaning your position or how high you are, how, how big of a name that you have, how big of a man you are on your job or a boss that you may be, the power you may be given. Perseverance means more than our resources because even if you have all the money in the world but you give up and you quit using the resources for the good, guess what? You're going to end up losing in the end. This word perseverance is so important to the Christian life because the Christian life demands that we have to learn how to persevere. If you are going to make it in the Christian journey, you're going to have to learn that there are times that life is not going to go your way. There are times that things that you thought should have happened are not going to happen. And things that you thought were going to happen, they are not going to happen. It's called life. It's going to happen. We live in a sinful world. 
And we're going to have to face that fact. At the end of the day, the only thing that's going to get you out of your bed in the morning and make you feel like going on again is if you learn perseverance. You see, the gift of faith is free, but the life of faith is a fight. It's hard sometimes. When asked how William Faulkner, the American author, had all the success that he had, he looked at them and this was his reply. He said, it is 2% inspiration and it is 98% perspiration. In other words, sweat, blood, sweat, and tears. 2% inspiration. The rest is simply perspiration. It is sweat. It is hard work. The Christians in China, and listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, we don't know what Christian, uh, Christian um, conflict or Christian suffering is. We don't really know what that is. We have it made here in America. But in China, there are literally, right now as I'm preaching to you, there are underground churches. And they created an affirmation, which means a positive statement as to what they were going through. And this is what they came up with, and I quote it to you. They came up after they were being persecuted. Many of them were being killed. They said these words, Christians are like nails, and the harder that you hit us, the deeper that we go. Showing it doesn't matter how many of us you kill, how hard you fight against us. At the end of the day, we are going to come out on the other side with victory. Because they learned this one word that is perseverance. You see, I believe that we need to understand this affirmation of faith. It is Philippians chapter 3 verse 14. That Paul said, I press toward the goal. I press toward the purpose. See, the, the word that I want you to grab for the hour is sometimes you just got to press on. Even when you don't feel like it, we press on. We understand. We press on because there's a heaven to gain. We press on because there's rewards to be received. We press on because there's dreams that are going to be fulfilled in our life. We press on because there is a finish line that we are going to have to cross. There's a calling to be answered. There's an enemy that we've got to fight and defeat. There's victory that is to be won for the child of God. There's a church to be built. We're doing the kingdom work ladies and gentlemen there's a harvest field out there that's got to be reaped so we as Christians we press on because we understand the importance of reaching every soul before Jesus Christ comes back and takes his church there's a world a whole world listen it's bigger than six mile it's bigger than Pickens County there is an entire world out there that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ preached to them that is why we press on the kingdom of God must be established and it depends on whether or not his church his Christians are going to persevere or whether we just decide to just give up so it is so important if every one of us could model the perseverance that Jesus Christ showed us I want you to think about this when Jesus came his own family questioned his validity whether or not he was the real deal or not. His, his mother, even at 12 years old, is questioned, what in the world do you think you're doing? To which he replies to her, you have no idea who I am. I must be about my father's business. It's been prophesied I'm Jesus, but you haven't fully accepted the validity of who I really am. I am God in the flesh. Oftentimes, you look at the stories, at the parables, oftentimes the disciples that followed him closer than anybody and they knew the power that he possessed, they often doubted him. They saw the miracles. They watched him take and turn fish and, and loaves of bread to feed 5,000 people. They knew who he was, but yet oftentimes Jesus rebuked them for what? 
their lack of faith, their doubt. So even the disciples doubted him. The religious leaders, by and large, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of them, even the, the lawyers of that day, they thought that Jesus was a fraud. A matter of fact, they called him a fraud. They even said at one time that he was the child of Beelzebub. He's a devil. He's full of Satan. They even said that, calling him a fraud. In Hebrews 4, this man named Jesus is tempted in every way that we are. In John 1, he's rejected. In Isaiah 53, he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He hid his face as, as if he could. Listen, yet what did he do? He persevered. Aren't you glad that Jesus, in the face of difficulty, just kept on keeping on? Because if he had not persevered, we would not be in this building today. Had he not persevered, you would not have an opportunity to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords like you do today. There would be no hope of a place called heaven had Jesus Christ not just kept on. So in Luke chapter 9, I hurry for three points I want to tell you today. We see this model of perseverance that Jesus shows us in this text. The first one was in verse 51. Jesus functioned out of his will, not his emotions. I'm going to say that again. Jesus functioned out of his will, not his emotion. Now function means the mental faculty by which one chooses or decides upon the course of action. He had to make a mental decision. He had to decide whether he was going to do it or whether he was not going to do it. And the Bible tells us in our text in verse 51 that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. One version said in, in Isaiah 57 that Jesus set out towards Jerusalem like a flint. A flint is actually used to start fires. I mean, that thing's hard. And, and so he said, I literally set out for Jerusalem like a flint. That's a hard type of rock that cannot be broken. He is unmovable in his faith. He is unmovable in his direction. He is unmovable in the fact that his purpose is to live and to die and to resurrect so that life could be brought to us. He understands when he goes to Jerusalem, it means he's going to get arrested. He understands that when he goes to Jerusalem, it means ultimately he is going to die a horrible death. Even his disciples tried to discourage him from taking that course. They tried to get him to work off of emotions because that's what they were working off of. That is why whenever the man came to get Jesus, that Peter grabs his sword, cuts off his ear. He was working off of emotions, but he could not overcome the fact that the will of God was for the world to be saved through his son, Jesus Christ, per John 3, 16. So Jesus resolutely, even though they try to discourage him, he says, this is the course that I have to take. He functioned out of his willpower to go on. It is his will that enables him to finish what he started. That is why whenever you read in the book of John, you find the famous last cry that Jesus ever uttered from the cross. And it was three words. It is finished. That means it is complete. No wonder he can say that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the alpha and the omega of our faith. He is the beginning when we start and he's the ending in the end. My God Almighty I wish somebody would say amen today. What I'm telling you is thank God that Jesus didn't work off of his emotions. That, you know the power of human will. We do what we want to do don't we? We're often, as human beings, flesh, fragile people like we are, we are often led by our emotions instead of our decisions out of our own will and power to go on, to move forward, to persevere. We often operate off of our emotions. And our emotions will tear us up. Listen to me. Emotions may enrich our lives. 
But we cannot allow our emotions to dictate our life and our direction that we're going to take. Because if we do that, the issue is not what you feel, but rather what you will. I said it's not what you feel, it is rather what you will that determines the success that you are going to have. Willpower, willpower is what keeps you going. It is not going to be your emotion. So I need somebody to hear me today. That if you get discouraged and you think about throwing in the towel, you think about quitting on whatever it is. It may not even be God. It may be a friend. It may be your job. It may be, it may be your marriage. I don't know what it is today, but you, you are just going to give up on that. I need you to understand you cannot run off of your emotions because if you do, your emotions are up and down. Your emotions, listen, today you may like something Tomorrow you may hate it. Come on somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean you may wake up today. And you're like a little chirpy bird in the kitchen. Getting your cup of coffee. Tomorrow morning you may wake up. And your husband runs. Because he just can't handle you. I mean he can bring you the coffee and everything. It's just a bad morning. It happens. It happens. It happens to the man. It happens to the lady. It happens to all of us. We have bad days on the job. People say something to us. And we sound a little snappy. A little honorary. When I'm telling you, you got to operate not off of your emotions, but your willpower. I'm sure that Noah didn't feel like building an ark, but guess what Noah did? In holy fear, he built an ark and he saved his whole family. Abraham didn't feel like going up Mount Moriah and taking a knife with him and thinking that when he got to the top, his only son Isaac was about to be killed, but he arose early in the morning, saddled that donkey, went up the mountain, and there he learned the meaning of the name Jehovah Jireh, which means my God will always provide. Moses didn't feel like going to Egypt and confronting Pharaoh. He made a lot of excuses but in obedience he went under God's command, not his emotions, but the willpower and the perseverance that God gave him to save his people. When he got over there he did miracles he never knew he could do. He drops a rod, it becomes a serpent. He touches water, it turns to blood. My God, he holds up a rod, waters are parting. God showed him his miracles, the miraculous working of his power. Deborah the lady in the Old Testament didn't feel like leading the army but thank God she did because of that woman of God she led a whole nation to victory and they defeated the enemy David didn't feel like going and fighting Goliath that day but he grabbed his sling and he got five smooth stones and he went to him and declared I don't come to you in my own power but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts Jesus did not feel like going to Calvary on the day that he did but for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising the shame and today he is set at the right hand of the throne of God forever Paul didn't feel like preaching oftentimes because it cost him rejection imprisonment eventually it would even cost Paul a martyr's death his own life but when he died in 2 Timothy 4 7 he was able to declare thank God I didn't run off of my emotions he said I have fought a good fight I just kept the faith I just kept on going when I didn't feel like going on and here I am hallelujah somebody needs to understand today I was reading the story of Olympic, Olympic gymnast Carrie Strug, which said to her coach or the coach asked her, Bella was her name, and the coach Bella looked at her and said, can you do the vault that helped the U.S. women? Or, or can you do this vault that's going to help us be able to win this gold medal in a team competition? To which Carrie would reply, yes, I will, I will, 
I will. Somebody needs to tell the devil today that my emotions are telling me to quit. My emotions are telling me to give up. My emotions have told me to lose faith in God and confidence that He can do it. But my will is telling me, hold on just a little longer because help is on the way. Hold on a little longer because I've got a miracle in the making for you you don't even know about. You cannot work off of your emotions. You've got to work off your will. Secondly, Jesus was proactive, not reactive to life's difficulties. Now the word proactive means controlling a situation by simply making things happen. Another definition means controlling or preparing rather for future problems. That's what proactive is. That means that you see it coming and you prepare yourself for that, when you have to take action. Now the word reactive means, and I can't hardly read my own writing, it's about this big and it's so scribbly. That's why I do like this sometimes. Alright, so if you ever see me looking down, I'm trying to read my writing. The word reactive means done in response to a problem or a situation. Jesus was proactive. He took control of the situation by making things happen. He did not give up. He moves forward. He was not reactive which means that he was responding to stimulus. Which means things that are going on around him stimuli what he can see. He understands what's going on around him but he doesn't allow that stimulus to cause him to react in a negative way. Because if Jesus had looked at everything around him, I mean if he looked at Golgotha hill and he sees crosses up there and knows that is ultimately his fate guess what if he would have reacted he'd have been like Jesus send 12 legions of angels take me out of this crazy world but he's proactive he's preparing himself for what so he sets out resolutely for Jerusalem in spite of what the cost is going to be he acted had he been a reactor he would have retreated from the challenge let me ask you something is there things in your life that you've set out to do but you find yourself retracting from that or moving backwards you find yourself stepping back or are you still on course towards maybe goals or dreams that you've set for your life places you wanted to be there's some of you say pastor man I had this this goal two years ago and I said I'm going to do it and I just never have done it listen to me you need to be proactive you need to go ahead and make something happen you need to move forward you've got to take action in life don't wait around for life to happen you go out there and you make things happen. One of the dumbest statements, now this is in my opinion only, is when people use this word, everything will work out the way it's supposed to anyhow. I think that's one of the dumbest statements that's ever been written. So whoever made that quote, I, I guess I just called him something. Hallelujah. Help me Lord. To think that, oh, everything is going to work itself out. No, it's not. You've got to pray. You've got to fast. You've got to seek God's way. You can't sit back and be pro, uh, be reactive and just react to everything that goes on in your life. Say, oh my God, I, I don't know why that happened, but it's going to work out. You get on your face. You call out to God. You're proactive. And you say, God, I'm going to take this challenge right now. Head on. I'm going to persevere. I'm not working off of emotions. I'm going to move forward with willpower. You know, Michael Jordan, and I like that guy playing basketball anyhow. He's, I'm not saying he's some kind of great Christian or anything, but, but he did have some good quotes. And he wrote these words. When asked, and there's a lot of quotes, you know, he's the greatest basketball player of all time. I just wanted to put that out there just for controversy's sake. LeBron, if you're watching, I'm just playing. Michael Jordan said it this way. He said, some people want it to happen. Some people 
wish it would happen. And others make it happen. And I made it happen. See, what I want you to understand, isn't that powerful? We just think we just sit around. What he was saying, you got to be proactive. You've got to go after it. You've got to go after your dreams. You've got to do your part. When Muhammad Ali was once asked by a young man in college, he asked him, he said, Muhammad, what should I do with my life? To which the heavyweight champion replied, and I quote, he said, stay in college, get all the knowledge, and stay there until you're through with your degree. If they can make penicillin out of moldy bread, then they can surely make something out of you. Hallelujah. Can I tell somebody today that God wants to make something special out of you. You've just got to get up, be proactive, move forward, and allow God to use you. The four lepers in the you can read it in 2 Kings. I won't read it for time's sake, but it's 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 7 through 11. They teach us about victory comes through our action, through proactivity, by getting up and doing something. If they had reacted to the situation, they would have sat there and they would have died and starved to death but this is what happens in that story there is one of them that decides I'm not going to be passive anymore passive aggressive anything I am going to be active I am actually going to change this situation I am going to make it happen and he looked at the other three and he said these words why do we sit here until we die. And so they got up. They went into the enemy's camp. And to their unbeknowing. God had already ran the enemy off. And they got all the spoils they wanted. Ate all the food they wanted. What a miracle God gave those men. But they first had to be proactive. And get up and do something about it. God is wanting to give you victory. But victory does not come until we take action. That we need to take in order for things to happen. Maybe it's time to stop work, stop waiting and actually start walking. Maybe it's time to start stop waiting and start walking. And as you are walking, you're going to see that God is already working because when they got up and stopped waiting, they walked towards the camp. While they're walking towards the camp, God is working a miracle and preparing the biggest feast they've seen in their whole life. you got to be... You just can't sit around and wait on it to happen. You do that, it's a recipe for disaster. And eventually you probably will just quit and give up. Because you'll feel hopeless based on everything you see around you. And you react to that. God says that's not the way a Christian does. I'll leave you with this one. I'm going to close. Jesus weighed the cost in light of heaven's rewards. The punchline in my text today, and I'll paraphrase it a little bit. But he basically says... A person that puts his hand on the plow and looks back, that man is not fit for the kingdom of God. When you get ready to follow Jesus, you better just go ahead and weigh the cost. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? There's going to be heartaches. There's going to be pain. There's going to be losses. Just ask the disciples. We think we have it bad when we go through crisis. Just ask the disciples. They ultimately, all of them basically, except for John, the revelator, they gave their life as martyrs for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when we say we've had losses, if the disciples were here, they would probably kind of smirk at us and say, you don't know what a loss is. We left all to follow him. We've weighed the cost. And that is why in our text, when you start looking, there are three men in this story. 
Three men gave Jesus three reasons why they couldn't follow him. Let me go ahead and bury my dead. Let me do this. Let me do that. They did not sell out. They did not look at the cost in light of heaven's reward. And so, so they missed out. They thought the demands were so great. That serving Jesus cost so much. That they were willing to miss out on the opportunity of a lifetime to walk with Jesus. Possibly these three men could have ended up being actual disciples with Jesus. Who knows? They chose not to follow because they thought it wasn't worth the reward that they were going to get. When we devote our lives to Jesus Christ, we can know this. We can know that there is an eternal reward waiting for us. There are five crowns, and I'll give you this as I close. There are five crowns that the Bible says are waiting for us. Now view these crowns as Olympic wreaths. Because the real crown belongs to Jesus. Every crown we receive, we are going to just throw it at His feet. But this is like something that we win because we finish the race. Let's go. 1 Corinthians 9.25. Are you ready? And everyone who completes the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it. Why? To obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. He says if you're temperate. If you keep self-control. Isn't that hard to do sometimes? He says but when you do that. Just weigh the cost. It's going to be worth it. Keep your attitude right. Treat people good. Because I'm going to give you an incorruptible crown. In 2 Timothy 4. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on the day of His return. The prize is not just for me, but for all those who are eagerly looking for His appearing. So He says to the person, to those that are eagerly looking for Him, to those that are waiting for Him. Uh, all y'all, I, I, I dare say all y'all didn't watch my sermon from Wednesday. Alright, I doubt y'all did. But, you know, it's just true, it's true. I know some of you did. But we got a little bit on these politics and stuff like that. And one of the things that I said is, my faith isn't based on Washington, D.C. I, I, I said that. And, and one of the things that, that I want you to understand is I'm not just looking to see who the next president's going to be. I'm looking for the king to return. And when we get kingdom minded, and when we sell out to Jesus and His church, and when we resolutely, just like Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, I'm setting out for a new Jerusalem. I have resolutely like a flint of stone. I have set my sights on a place called heaven. I don't plan on quitting. I don't plan on giving up. Yes, I may get discouraged. Yes, I may get downcast. But as long as I'm standing in Jesus' will, let me tell you, Chad, I'm planning on going on and going on because guess what? He said to those that are looking for me, to those that are waiting for me, I'm going to give you a crown of righteousness. My God. That's right. King Jesus, you better put your faith in Him. I like Brian's little sermonette today. You know, sometimes we do put our faith in, in politics and different things. But we need to always remember, our faith is in Jesus Christ. 
if the church could make it under Emperor Nero, who used humans as their as torches, literally he would light them on fire as torches in his garden. You talking about a demon man? Then I'm gonna tell you something. If the church can thrive during Nero, then even if Biden does get the count, let me tell you something. The church can still thrive because it is not contingent upon any man that rules this world. I've got a heavenly ruler, and he's the one that runs this church. My God. All right, all right, all right. James 1.12. James 1.12. Hurry, Jimmy. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Why? Count the cost. Afterward, not before, but afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Everyone that makes it, God says like Adam and Eve... You can eat from this tree or that tree. But one of the trees that they could eat from was called the tree of life. That is why after they sinned, angels went on each side of the garden. So that nobody could get to the tree of life. Because what did it bring? Eternal life. He says, I'm going to give you a crown, hallelujah, of eternal life. There will be no more pain, no more dying. This is what you get. So you go ahead and count the cost. You weigh the cost in light of heaven's reward. And you're going to find out serving Jesus was really worth it. Going through a little heartache was really worth it. Come on, somebody. All right, 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. My God, this is really to God's leaders, to the flock. He says, I'm going I'm to give you a crown of glory. Then Revelation 3, look at this one. And I'll leave you. Come on to the piano, Miss Susan. Because you have kept my command to persevere. There goes that, that famous word. I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. If you folks think, are you ready? If you think that... That we are just going to soar into heaven. I'm afraid that we haven't properly read the scriptures. Are y'all ready for this? This church, in my opinion, is not just going to cruise into heaven. This church is going to have to go through some things. And that is why when I look at politics and I look at potential changes that are about to happen. I look at it from a kingdom perspective. Because I understand that everything that happens in this earth is only preparing us for what is to come. But what did God say? Revelation, go back to 10. Go back to 10. My memory's not quite that good yet. My command to persevere. He says, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. It is coming on the earth. It's coming on the whole world. He says, but what I'm going to do for the church is I'm going to hold you in my hands. I'm going to keep you, my God, in the palm of my hands. You can make it even in a hostile world. Behold, I come quickly. Let's go on. Verse 11. Hold fast. Persevere. Keep going. Hold fast to what you have. The faith that you have. Sometimes, i got to tell you folks, it's just a little bit of faith. Sometimes it's Rahab the harlot that hangs a little thread out of her window. But the thread is all that she needs. And God saves her and her household. There's times that all you're doing is holding on to a little thread. But He says you just hold on to what you have. The little bit of faith that you have that no one may take away the crown of reward that I'm going to give to those that simply persevere and keep on going on.
My mama used to have a picture. It was in my room. I had a little shelf. It was kind of a receding. I don't know if anybody knows what these are about. It's like you got your wall and then there's like this receding inside that you can climb up in. And she had this picture, a little wood picture. And there was a little cat on that thing. And there was a rope on it. Y'all, anybody ever seen that? And then there was a, a little knot at the bottom. And that little cat had its claws just clinging to that little knot. And it said, when life gets tough, just tie a knot and hold on. And that's sometimes what it's like when you're serving Jesus. But I came to tell somebody today, don't give up. Don't quit on God. I promise you, if you believe the Bible, and if you believe that there is a God in heaven, I'm telling you, if you keep pressing on, even when you don't feel like it, that God is going to bless you. Everything's going to work out according to His plan. Give me a microphone. Sing this song. Listen. Listen. Whenever Brian was singing this song earlier, man, I just felt the Holy Spirit just come into my heart. I felt the peace of God. Can we just stand for just a few minutes? I want to sing this just a couple times. I don't know what you need today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. But I want to say to somebody today that while we sing this, I want you to give it to God. There's a devil on your shoulder telling you doubt God. God didn't answer your prayer. God didn't do what you wanted Him to do. Just go ahead and give up. But I need somebody in this moment. The presence of God is about to come down in this house. He's about to rest like a blanket over this place. And I'm telling you, if you will lift your hand to God, and if you will allow Him to, He's about to touch you. You're going to feel it so deep. Sing it, sing it, sing it.